Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Sunday Podcast. This is our chance to play for you some of the best moments from the radio show and some great interviews during the week that you may have missed. If you ever want to check out our show, go to Bongino.com. Go to Station Finder and see what radio station we're on near you. You'll love it. I promise you. We put a lot of work into the radio show. Check it out. Let me get to one of our sponsors. We really appreciate their time. Folks, junk science. That's what doctors call many of these fruits and vegetable supplements. Junk science because they use extracts of common produce, uh, fruits and vegetables with very few health benefits. That's why I use Field of Greens. It's whole, fresh, healthy, organic fruits and vegetables, not some watered-down garbage extract supplement. It's backed by a better health promise. Field of Greens is a science-backed formula of specific fruits and vegetables you won't find in any other product. I use it multiple times each day, I swear by it. Proper nutrition can reboot your metabolism so you burn calories faster and you lose weight a healthier way. Listen, sometimes you don't eat as healthy as you should. You got to go buy vegetables, you got to shop for them, you got to cook them, they're perishable. Field of Greens is my insurance policy. I take it twice a day. They have wild berry, lemon, lime is Guy's favorite. You'll look and feel healthier. I do and have way more energy with good nutrition. But your best proof will be at the next checkup when I bet your doctor says whatever you're doing, it's working, keep it up. Let's get you started today. Visit BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan. That's promo code Dan at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick it up today. Stuff's delicious. Big fan, folks. First up today, we talk with Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders about her Medicare reforms in her state, setting an example for the rest of the country. And we talked about a few other things, too. It's a great interview. Check it out. What a uh, pleasure to welcome to the show a uh, real patriot, a conservative. We're running out of those, unfortunately, but the ones we have left are really good ones. And pleased to say the current governor of Arkansas, Sarah Sanders. Sarah, uh, governor, excuse me, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Dan. You can call me Sarah anytime. It's, it's well, that's better sweet than of what, you. what I've been called by a lot of folks <laughs> in the media, so I'll, I'll take that above some of the other that's names. That's very nice of you, but you earned that title, and uh, it's respect, and uh, I really appreciate you putting your name on a ballot. Um, you know, I did it. I lost, but it's a lot of work. I mean, you, uh, your family's got a, a history of, of uh, going out there, putting your name on a ballot and getting it done, and you got it done in Arkansas. And I was reading this op-ed in the Wall Street Journal – uh, by you the other day, and you, you did something amazing in this op-ed, something I wish other Republicans would do. You were talking about your efforts to curb out-of-control health care spending in Arkansas, which will bankrupt your state, as you well know, and you made a point I wish more Republicans would make. The, the Democrats constantly beat us, Governor, on this whole, oh my gosh, you're not being generous or nice or compassionate to people, but what they don't understand is by taking money away from people who may really need it in these Medicaid programs for the poor and giving it to people who can afford their own health care, you're actually stealing money from the poor. There's nothing compassionate about that. Exactly. And that's a point we tried to make. And I think Republicans need to stop going on defense and start going on offense. Now in the state of Arkansas, we will have actually more resources to provide quality health care coverage for the ones that need it the very most while following the law. I think that's one of the other things that people are missing from this argument. It is uh, our state law to remove people who are not eligible uh, for Medicaid. And so we're simply following the law and taking care of the people in our state who need help more than anybody else. And so um, Republicans have got to start messaging better. And I think this is one of the places we can certainly do that. 
Oh, it's a golden opportunity. We're talking to governor, a governor of Arkansas, Sarah Sanders. You're so correct. The messaging deficit. Now, you have a special expertise in this, having been the former White House press secretary. So you're 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 very very good at this. You were great up on the uh, in the Brady press room. But the way I used to say it about the Medicaid program is, you know, if you have a series of say parking spots designated for people who are disabled. And then you say, well, we're going to open it up to everyone. Then you're going to have people who struggle and need to be closer to the location who are going to park at the end of the parking lot. You're not helping them. And and these Medicaid budgets, the trend has been in the other direction, Governor, where these states are now expanding this program designed for the poor. And yet the red ink is everywhere. The budget of Arkansas, you guys can't handle that. There, no state can handle having, say, 10, 15 percent of its population or maybe more on government benefits when they don't need them. Exactly. And and I think your analogy is perfect and simple and concise, which is what we need to start doing when it comes to messaging is making it really simple. I think a couple of things are really important to note. We are absolutely not cutting access to coverage and we are making sure that our state is focused on taking care of those who really need that assistance and only removing people who are no longer eligible for the program, uh, which again, gives us more resources to help those who desperately need it. And we wanna make sure our state takes care of those individuals and has the resources to do so. Talking to Governor Sarah Sanders of Arkansas. Uh, Governor, the role of the states moving forward, kind of a broader topic, if you, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, we, we've seen in Florida the success of Governor DeSantis, some big successes, Governor Abbott in Texas. Um, the issue is a lot of blue states, their citizens are leaving these blue states, which are collapsing under the uh, the burden of liberalism. And a lot of these people are moving um, to red states and taking their politics with them. You're in a very red state, Arkansas. You won handily. You did an amazing job in the campaign. Do you see moving forward what I see that the states are in federalism is going to become more and more important as these sanctuaries of freedom and examples to the rest of the country? Okay, listen, here's the foil. Okay, you guys are doing this in New York. Your people are evacuating like Snake Plissken trying to escape from New York. And our populations here are growing. Our economies are flourishing. Hey, you guys want to take some notes? (laughs) We're open for an instruction lesson if you guys want one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we want people to know Arkansas is open for business. Our economy is strong. Our state is doing well. And you know what? We don't let the government dictate every minute and every second of your life here in our state. We believe not only in individual and personal freedom, but in making sure that we do things that protect those freedoms. And we have seen uh, people from all over the country, blue states in particular, flooding into our state Uh you know, it was interesting over the course of two years on the campaign, I traveled to all 75 counties and every single stop we went to, we would meet someone who had moved to Arkansas from another state, predominantly California. And the the message I gave them was very simple. Welcome to Arkansas. Don't forget why you left California. And we are excited to take those people in. Our door is open. We're going to keep taking them as long as they remember why they left those blue states in the first place. Yeah, that I think uh, that that's the problem. And and you even see it within blue states, too. When I was in Maryland, obviously a blue state, people think Maryland is blue and blue all over the place. But it's not. Western Maryland and the eastern shore of Maryland are actually pretty, are pretty blood red. 
And what would happen then is you'd even see people, Governor, moving out of the blue counties in Maryland into the red counties, moving up from Montgomery into Frederick. You know, it's like we just tying it back to the messaging thing. It's almost as if the Republican Party doesn't have an issues problem. It has a messaging problem. It's we haven't figured out a way to kind of put something on a Wheaties box, a short enough, concise enough message that people understand we're the party of civil rights. We're the party protecting families. We're the party protecting kids. We're the party trying to rip this scourge of racism out of our school with this CRT junk. We're the party of economic opportunity. It's so obvious to anyone who sees it, but we just can't seem to get it on that Wheaties box or in that eight second elevator pitch. I think you just did it. I think we just need to bottle you up and uh, get you out <laughs> to everybody because you you nailed it exactly. I, I think the like I said, the simple, concise message, and stop apologizing for being conservative. Yes. We've got to stop going on defense and go on offense. Just like uh, the way you outlined a few minutes ago, we cannot let them define us. And I think that's a mistake that Republicans and conservatives have made for too long. If there was any positive things that came out of the last couple years when we were going through the COVID pandemic, it's that people started paying a lot more attention to the government infringing on their personal life and in their personal business. And you have an opportunity to, I think, capture some of that frustration from the American people and start messaging directly to that making the point that if you're tired, I I tell people all the time, it's very simple. If you want the government to make decisions about where your kids go to school, how you raise your family, how you run your business and how you engage in your community, then you're a Democrat. If you want to make those decisions for yourself, then you're a Republican. The simple, concise message I think is really important and tapping into those frustrations while they're at an all-time high is I think an opportunity for Republicans that we should take advantage of. Yeah, I totally agree. We're talking to Governor Sarah Sanders from Arkansas. It, it is. It's that eight second elevator pitch. I had a friend say to me once, you know, we walk into a methadone clinic and we're explaining the Laffer curve to people, which is a real thing, the Laffer curve. And it's really great to understand marginal tax rates and how they affect government revenue and prosperity and economic growth and productivity. But that's not the kind of thing people in crisis or it's not that they can't comprehend it. They certainly can. But it's not the kind of thing that rings their bell right away. And the Democrats, they're just really good at this crap. They just really are. They come in and they go, oh, coexist. Tolerance. It's bumper sticker politics at its finest. And we've got to get away to uh, find a way to do that better. Let me ask you this question, though, about the media going forward. I mean, nobody knows this better than you. You were the White House press secretary. You've been around the media your entire life. You're now the governor of Arkansas. Your father, your family's been around the media. This is something you've been immersed in, like swimming in a swimming pool. How do you see the Republican Party with the uh, relationship with the media moving forward? The Trump era changed everything. We, we, we expose them for what they are. They're, they're an adversarial party looking to take out conservatives and conservative ideas. Do we engage with them and try to convince them? Do we ignore them? Do we take the DeSantis approach and just go right after them? How, how do you see it? I think one of the things that whether people like him or not, that President Trump did so effectively um, was to start challenging the institutions and also 
show that we don't need them anymore. He did what he was able to do with going directly to the people. And I think that's where our strength is. And I think that makes a lot more sense for us is to go directly to the people and not let them filter our message uh, and, and distort it in a way that, that changes what we're actually saying, uh, which we see far too often. We saw President Trump show that you don't have to use the media to win. In fact, you can go around them and still be incredibly successful uh, and really deliver and do that without the filter and the bias of the mainstream media. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Governor, last question. I'll let you go. You've been very generous with your time. We're talking to Governor Sarah Sanders of Arkansas. Uh, Governor, without getting into specifics about any specific candidate, the 2024 election, uh, your general thoughts. I, I'm of the opinion that primaries are a great thing. I, I'm an evidence-based guy. I have evidence to back it up. Uh, John McCain was not the president uh, while Barack Obama was engaged in a ruthless primary with Hillary Clinton. You know, John Kerry is not president. George Bush was in a, a really brutal primary uh, with, uh, with, with, Mc, with McCain and others. I, I mean, listen, Donald Trump was in a primary in 2016. I mean, your, your dad knows about all this. And Donald Trump became president. I think primaries, I hate these dopey lines like iron sharpens iron, but I think it's true. I think primaries are a good thing. They get you media coverage, they get you money, and they get you volunteers, and that's what wins elections. When you're not in a primary, nobody cares. You're just out there in the ether somewhere. What are your thoughts on that with regard to this election coming up? Yeah, I, I think primaries are a, a good thing, and I, I think certainly they'll allow a candidate to rise. I think what this election is really about is the absolute and complete failure of Joe Biden and his administration. If we want to continue along a destructive path for our country, then Joe Biden and the Democrats are the candidate for you. If we want to see something different, which I think the country does and is very clear that we need to change courses, then we need a Republican and a conservative elected. This is a pushback against the failures of the Biden administration. Every single thing they touch, they screw up, and we cannot allow them to continue to be at the helm of our country. And we have an incredible opportunity, and I hope we take advantage of it. Yeah, me too. Folks, please read the governor's op-ed. It's in the Wall Street Journal. This is how you talk about government programs. You talk about them in, in a way that resonates with people. And the governor really nailed it, talking about pending. It's going to be bankruptcies all over the country if this program continues to expand. Governor Sarah Sanders, thanks a lot for your time, and we really appreciate it. Welcome back here anytime. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dan. I appreciate it. You got it. She's great. I mean, she really gets the messaging thing down. And that's why that op-ed really, I mean, kicked me in the ribs in a good way. Because you talk about the Democrats talk about these programs like they're government giveaways and they never mention where the money comes from. The money comes from you. And then, they, you, you know, when you're giving away Medicaid benefits to people who can afford health care on their own and taking the money from someone else. No one ever goes like, hey, doesn't that mean less money for poor people? Yes, it does. She's the first person I've seen ever write about that that way. Think about that analogy with the disabled parking spots. You want to give disabled parking spots away to people who aren't disabled? Oh, it's the right thing to do. Everybody deserves a parking spot. Yeah, but there's only 10. Don't you want the people who need them to use them? Better start talking right, man. We're going to lose another election. Up next is an unplanned epic rant during the show. You're going to like this one. But let's hear from our next sponsor first. 
Folks, I am a big coffee drinker in the mornings, do a lot of shows, need my coffee to get up, to work out. Are you tired of the same old monotonous liberal flavored coffee brands? So stop. Stop giving your money to woke companies don't care about you. Go with a coffee option. One that tastes great. It's the most important part. Quality, high quality coffee. It tastes delicious. But we want to support companies that align with conservative values, American values. That's my friends at Blackout Coffee. It's a terrific company. I'm proud to personally, personally recommend Blackout Coffee. It's what we drink in the house. It's a coffee company, 100% committed to conservative values, but just as important, a high quality product. They're not relying on, they want their product to be top notch, but they care about the country too. From sourcing the beans to the roasting process, customer support or shipping, they've got an incredible work ethic. I know the owner of the company personally. They've dedicated to promoting conservative principles and accept no compromise on taste or quality. It's a strong, bold flavor. Do me a favor, check them out. It's blackoutcoffee.com slash Bongino. Please give them a look. Blackoutcoffee.com slash Bongino. Use coupon code Bongino for 20% off your first order. Don't wait. Ditch those other guys. Blackout Coffee remains true to our values and true to the highest quality coffee. It is a bold, strong coffee. I love the flavor. That's blackoutcoffee.com slash Bongino. Or use coupon code Bongino for 20% off your first order. I saw a Chiron on Fox about TikTok users being offended by the national anthem this past week, and uh, I kind of lost it a little bit. Happens sometimes. Enjoy this. You saw that Chiron? They said that standing for the national anthem shocks TikTok users. Well, TikTok users, I got news for you. I'm going to play this Pierce thing. But here's the thing. When the national anthem plays, get off your freaking asses. You understand? You stand up. You put your hand over your heart. Oh, I don't like this place. You know what? This place has liked you a lot. A lot of really brave men. And women have given their lives, their limbs, and every eyeballs, legs, everything. Chunks of them, their brains have been messed up for life because they went over and saw people die to do violence on your behalf. So TikTok users out there, when the national anthem plays, we're not a perfect country. We make a lot of mistakes every single day. I mean, look, we got an idiot in the White House right now, but we're better than that, right? You get off your freaking ass, you understand? You put your hand over your heart, and you salute those that came before you in this great country. You know why? It's not about a song. It's not about a song. It's not about a flag either. The flag's just a piece of fabric. The song's just a bunch of notes. It's what they represent. They represent an idea, the idea of America, this unbelievably powerful place, this constitutional republic that's weathered so much before, weathered the civil rights movement, weathered the Jim Crow era, weathered the, the strife of the 60s and the 70s, stagflation, slavery, a civil war, a revolution, the war of 1812, and we're still here. We've even got a rotting bag of oatmeal in the White House now whose sole job in there is to destroy the United States on behalf of the left. And you know what? We're still kicking. We're still going. We still got a heartbeat and a pulse. So TikTok users, I don't know who you are. I don't know. It's kind of a pretty broad group of people, given the tens of millions of people that use the app. But you're surprised people stand for the national anthem? Don't be surprised. Because let me tell you something. If you're sitting next to me at a game and you decide to sit on your ass, you're getting a dirty look for me. Not much I can do about it. I'm not a violent guy. I don't attack people. I'm not a leftist Antifa. But let me tell you something. I'm going to look down on you with, with disdain if you sit there and disgrace my country. I'm going to look at you with side eye like you've never seen before, with disgust. And when I sit down, I'm going to ask you, is that the way your mama raised you? You pathetic little sloth. Next time, get off your ass. Because I don't want my kid to be infected by your woke virus next to you. And I don't even want her seeing you sitting down, my kid. So you get off your ass and you stand up. And when you're done, you can go and petition your government to change the things you don't like. But let me tell you something. While that national anthem is playing, you get your hand over your heart. You take your damn hat off. You click your heels together. You put the other hand by your side, your left hand. 
You keep that thumb down along your hip line. You stand up straight. You arch your back out. You keep your chest up. You put your chin up. You put your chin up high. You look at that flag. You stand in that direction. You don't move. You put your hand over your heart and you sing that song because it's a great song. It represents the greatest country on earth. You got it? There's the instruction guide for you. Up next is Mark Robinson. He's running for governor in North Carolina. This is one of the best candidates in the country. Before we get to that, let's get to our next sponsor. Right now, MyPillow has a massive closeout sale happening on their all-season slippers. Listeners constantly make the MySlippers the number one selling MyPillow product. Uh, Jim, we were at dinner the other day. What did Paula tell you about her MyPillow slippers, right? She's like, dude, we were talking about some of the sponsors. Those things are comfortable. Use my promo code Dan. You'll get the all-season slippers for $25, regularly $149.98. That's over $120 in savings. Limited to 10 pairs at checkout. These will sell out. Trust me. My slippers have an exclusive four-layer design. You're not going to find it in any other slipper. Their patented layers make these slippers ultra comfortable and extremely durable. They help relieve stress in your feet. You can wear them anytime, anywhere. They also come in a ton of additional sizes and new colors. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener's square, and grab a pair of these all-season slippers for $25, regularly priced at $149.98. Limited to 10 pairs at checkout, enter promo code DAN, or call 800-637-4982 for this incredible offer. It won't last long, so please order now. Thanks, MyPillow. Those are comfortable. Check them out. Here's North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, a candidate for governor, talking about his run in his state, how it's working out. Check this out. All right, this is one of my favorite guests. Scratch that. This is one of my favorite people, not just in politics, but just an amazing guy. And let me tell you something. If you've never heard this gentleman speak, he's a lieutenant governor of North Carolina right now. His name is Mark Robinson. But if you've never heard him speak, you need to go to a video platform and just put in Mark Robinson speeches and get ready to be completely blown away. It is just straight up passion, man. There's no one doing it like him right now. Welcoming back to the show, Lieutenant Governor of the fantastic state of North Carolina, a good friend, of Mr. Mark Robinson. Sir, welcome back to the show. So good to have you. Hey, it's great to be here, Dan. Thank you so much. I was, uh, you're very welcome, I was elated when I found out the news just a couple weeks ago um, that you are in the governor's race for the state of North Carolina. Um, You are a transformative figure. You're the lieutenant governor now. Uh, Give us quickly a campaign update. You've been on the campaign trail for, what, roughly about a month since your official announcement. Uh, Obviously, you're the lieutenant governor, so you've been interacting with constituents. But what's the feedback you've been getting? How are you feeling about it? Is there going to be a primary? What does it look like? Uh, it looks like it may be a primary, but we're not really worried about that. What we're going to do is go out and contact the people in North Carolina, share our vision with them, talk to them, find out what they need, and let them know that we're going to be there to partner with them to help them continue to be successful in their lives and ask them what they need to keep that success rolling. As far as our, our, our race goes right now, we're looking fantastic. Poland for us is great. We're 50-plus points up on all of our primary or potential primary opponents, and we're five points up on our Democratic challengers. So uh, we're looking really good. we got a ton of momentum, and we got an army of people out there ready to help us keep that momentum. So in the state of North Carolina, I have a personal emotional attachment. My father lives there. He's in Cary. I've told you that a couple of times. He loves the state. Sure. You've got a lot of transplants moving in. You're running for governor right now. I see a strong possibility, and nobody knows the state better than you, but based on what my dad tells me about all the time, that you guys could be the next Florida. 
you could be a former swing state and a, a soon-to-be blood red state. And based on the new uh, supermajority you guys have in the legislative chamber over there, uh, you guys are in a great position to turn North Carolina into a, 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 a lab experiment for freedom, part, prosperity, and liberty around the country, sir. Absolutely. We have a golden opportunity right now in North Carolina for on the political end and on the practical end as well. You know, right now, uh, we've, we've totally transformed the way this state uh, operates since 2010. Our economy is firing on all cylinders. We've got, uh, we're the number one business destination in the nation. And now we want to work on making sure that economy gets spread all across the state. So we've got fantastic opportunities up and down the, the, the board, so to speak. Uh, great opportunities to expand our economy, great opportunities to fix our education system where we have problems, and just great opportunity to com- continue to bring success uh, to the folks here in North Carolina. We're talking to Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, now a candidate for governor. Folks, I can't say this enough. I, You know I very rarely get fully behind people in politics. This gentleman is the real deal. Look him up. Look at his website before this interview is done. Even if you're not in North Carolina, you got a buck, you got five bucks. This is the kind of guy who can change the national argument. I'm telling you that. Uh, now, uh, Lieutenant Governor, I, I find this really interesting. This is how I know you're causing liberals a bunch of heartache and headaches and the, and the anti-prosperity crap. Outside of Trump and DeSantis, I can make a strong case that there isn't a Republican in the country that has been a focus of liberal ire more than you. Uh, they, they hate you. They talk about you all the time. They obsess over you kind of like they do uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you're always dealing with some nonsense, a garbage. Uh, is this just I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you speak candidly and openly about issues that drive them nuts. Race, school choice, voter ID, sure. and you do it eloquently. But sure. my theory is correct, though. When they're over the target, they start doubling down. Oh, absolutely. You know, we check every box for them. We're, we're, we're black. Uh, we grew up poor. We grew up in the South <laughs> poor. Right. And, uh, but the, the, th- the problem is we have not allowed any of that to determine who we are. Uh, we have not allowed that to determine uh, how we operate. We operate under solid principles. Uh, you know, we've had a tough, I have a, had a tough upbringing as a child, experienced uh, failures, uh, a number of them when I was a young man, and, uh, but I was able to bounce back from those things. Uh, and I think the reason why they despise us so much is because we do check all those boxes, but we do not subscribe to that adage that uh, you cannot succeed in this country. We have proven that no matter what kind of background that you come from, no matter where you come from, no matter where you were born, no matter what kind of challenges you face, in the United States of America, you can succeed. And I'm a prime example of that, and they despise that example, and don't want folks to see that. But we're going to get that message out there and show that to people. We're going to inspire, keep inspiring people every day and get people back in the vein of knowing and in the United States sir, of America, anything is possible. Sir, describe your journey. I mean, I, I've told the audience the story now a couple of times. We, even uh, on the uh, unfortunate disconnection on the phone, I, I got the chance to kind of air the story again. I, I remember I was at NRA TV and someone sent me an email and said, you've got to watch this guy. He went up in front of a, a town council, or you can describe the details, and it was about the Second Amendment and some ridiculous, you know, uh, anti-Second Amendment restriction they were pushing. And your speech was just otherworldly. It was the kind of thing that transports you to a different time of political speakers. And I said, gosh, get this guy on the show. He's got such a gift. 
Now you're the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. Uh, I would love to see you the next governor. You're running for it. I don't like to get out ahead of my skis. I want to jinx anyone. But uh, I, what does that feel like to you? You're giving a speech about the Second Amendment. Next thing you know, you're running to run the entire state. That, it's an incredible yeah, it, story. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a pretty. It's a pretty crazy story. If somebody wrote it as a Hollywood script, it would probably get <laughs> right. probably get thrown out. But right. the thing that I like about it more than anything is, it, and this is the why the folks on the left despise my story, is because uh, I'm, number one, because I'm a conservative, because I do not prescribe uh, to, the, to the foolishness that they're pushing uh, in our country right now and in our state. And number two, they despise it because it smashes every narrative they preach. They tell young black people, you cannot succeed because the state, the, the nation, the system is racist. You cannot succeed because of what zip code you were born in, what color you are. Our story completely smashes that narrative to pieces, and they despise it. Yeah. We're talking to Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, running for governor in the great state of North Carolina. Sir, we've seen, uh, there's a story out in Red State today. It's made its way all over the conservative uh, news ecosystem. Uh, Joe Biden's support amongst black voters is just an, an apocalyptic freefall. Uh, he mm-hmm. ran for office at 82% support in the black community. He's now at 52% support. Now, as you know, as well as anyone, a state with a large minority population, I ran in the state of Maryland. I think it has the largest uh, per capita percentage of minority uh, mm-hmm. voters, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, anywhere in the anywhere in the United States. If the Democrats don't keep a close to 80, 85 percent black vote support in a national election, uh, sir, there's just no math for them. They can't win an election. We've already seen Hispanic voters upwards of 40 plus percent voted for Donald Trump. We're seeing a a big awakening there in minority communities and Republicans Mm -hmm. like yourself, which is such great evangelists for the cause. What are you seeing in North Carolina with the black community there? You see in a similar transition to people who are opening their eyes saying, you know what? These guys are for liberty. They're for freedom. They're for my right to defend myself for policing. Are you seeing that over there? Sure. Absolutely. We are. You know, when I first came on the scene with the speech, uh, uh, the Greensboro City Council speech, most of the people who recognized me were white male gun owners. And that's just a fact. I mean, it, it was a fact of the matter. Uh, as I ran for lieutenant governor, most of the people who recognized me were traditional Republicans. Uh, but as I moved on and kind of done other things, uh, I've become known for other things. And I've been known for some of the, some of the fights that we were seeing on the social front, uh, some, of the, some of the culture wars. And this whole narrative that black folks are going to go along with all of these things that are being pushed by the left, particularly some of these issues when you talk about these women and men, um, men and women's sports and the transgender issue that's being pushed on our children. Uh, black people are not buying into that. And uh, we've spoken out a, a lot about that yes. in different venues. And more and more, we are meeting uh, folks, uh, minority folks who are seeing us, black folks who are seeing us. They know us, they support us, and they love our platform. And so uh, oh, we believe so if, right. we continue, if we could continue to get those truths out there, you know, folks come to the truth and they come to success. Those are the two things that people will follow. And we believe that our, our truths and the truths that we're telling and the policies that they'll push, that we'll push through that truth, will breed success. We think people will hear that, they'll vote for it, and they'll, and they'll support us. Sir, you are so right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I just, again, having run in Maryland, which has a significant black population, 
I cannot imagine walking into a black church on Sunday and telling people that their kids should be taught that nine-year-olds should be chemically castrated and that men can be women. I, 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 you, I mean, you're there. I don't need to lecture you on it. You, you know better than, I don't even want to embarrass myself by talking to you about it. You know more than anyone, but I got about a minute left. Like that is not going to fly in black churches across America. I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. People don't want to hear about stuff like that. They don't, they, they, the vast majority, overwhelming majority of people believe that that's ridiculous. What people want right now are solutions to the substantive problems they face. What are those substantive problems? Where am I going to, and how am I going to get my children a great education? How am I going to continue to be able to feed my family? How am I going to be able to make more money? How am I going to be able to open a business? How am I going to make sure that I'm successful in the future? People want solutions to those issues. We have those solutions on our side because our solutions are not based on wild ideals. They're based on solid principles. And in every place where they're applied, they work. Folks see that, and I believe they're going to vote for us. Sir, what's the website so my listeners can support you? Mark Robinson for NC. That is Mark Robinson for the, the, the number four NC. Mark uh, Robinson, the number four NC.com. NC, obviously, short for North right. Carolina. Folks, I cannot say enough about this man. He is a good, decent human being. We don't have a lot of those in politics. This guy's a game changer. Mark my words. This guy is a game changer on our side. Sir, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for running. You are welcome back here anytime during the campaign. I hope you'll take us up on that. You got it. We'll, we certainly will be back. You're one of our favorites. Yeah, thank you, sir. Have a great day. Sir, that guy, amazing. Folks, Mark Robinson. Um, I, I, I don't even know what else to say. Just an amazing human being. Go, please, at the end of the show today, watch one of his speeches. You will be absolutely a believer by the time you're done. Please support him. Mark Robinson, 4NC.com. We need this. There was big news about leaked videos this week involving Tucker Carlson. I got a theory no one else had, and it turns out we were right. But first, our next sponsor. So folks, you can go to Brazil, Colombia, get some work done your face. But why on earth would you do that? It is the final week of GenuCell's Mother's Day sale. You could look years younger right before your eyes. Here's a real review from GenuCell.com. Claire said, I absolutely love GenuCell. My skin feels great, tighter, younger, with a more even tone, and I only used it for a week. My advice for everyone, take a before picture. But her husband, Jim, who we love on this show, he's a lucky guy. He made an even bigger point here. Wife loves it. Ever since I purchased for her, purchased for her, things got much more interesting after dark. Enough said. We're waiting for the update from Jim, folks. GenuCell. Come on, man. We need a gym update. Maybe a guest on the show. Nothing works like GenuCell. It's a family recipe for over 20 years. Made in small batches and always cruelty-free. Go to GenuCell.com slash Dan. Save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package during their Mother's Day sale. Every most popular package features their Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector. Don't wait. Go to GenuCell.com slash Dan. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Dan. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package. Order for only one more week. Plus free upgrade to priority shipping. GenuCell.com slash Dan. G-E-N-U-C-E-L. GenuCell.com slash Dan. Thanks, GenuCell. A lot of people are saying these behind-the-scenes videos were leaked by Fox. I doubted it. And uh, listen, I got a dog in the fight, but no dog in that fight. I'm telling you the truth. I don't think it was them. Here's why. Take a listen. Lively chat on my Facebook messages today. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about this case. 
A lot of people have a ton of opinions about this, and it's because it's about bigger things. Folks, listen, we have to have a lot of painful conversations moving forward. Um, this Tucker-Fox feud uh, is, is, is about things far bigger than Fox or Tucker. You got to remember, there was a conservative movement long before Fox News. There'll be a conservative movement long after. Uh, likewise for Tucker Carlson. Conservatism existed before Tucker, before Dan Bongino, before Mark Levin, before Sean Hannity. And when we're all dead and buried, it will continue to exist. It's about a bigger thing. It's about effective ambassadors for our cause, what happens with them, what's going to happen with the media markets, what are going to be our channels of communication in the future. I mean, if if let's just say Fox were to just become a a fossil, a remnant of its former self, a million people a night or something like that, and that's it. It wouldn't go anywhere. It could still make money, but its stock would get crushed, and it would get hurt bad as a company. We got to find somewhere else to go if that's the case. There's got to be an ability to to make a, a Newsmax or an OANN or something else out there on the market profitable enough that they can compete. I mean, folks, we can't just seed the battlefield altogether. I believe me, I get there's a lot of animosity. I mean, is, I'm my contract. We couldn't agree. If anyone has the right to like gripe, it's me. And I'm telling you. Uh, we need a relaxing lady break. I'm telling you, we we need someone out there to succeed so we have a vehicle for conservative thinkers to go out there and be able to speak. Is it going to be Fox in the future? Is it going to be someone else? The answer is I don't know. But this is one of those rare fights where I will keep insisting to you again that everybody is losing. And that's why I'm not convinced. There's some disagreement here. I think Jim agrees with me. Mike, do you not agree with me? I don't think, I'm not sure it's Fox leaking these videos. What, what was you, because Mike, you're, what do you think? Yeah, he don't know either. I'm not sure, folks. You got to remember, there was a lot going on with this lawsuit and people had some tapes, supposedly. I don't know the story wasn't part of it. Because I, I'm, you have a $22 billion company a Fox News Corp, right? Clearly they have a good PR machine or else they wouldn't have been the number one cable show for like 30 years or whatever the hell it was. It, this is just rookie ball stuff. And why would you leak videos to Media Matters, a left-wing organization that they can't even decide if they despise Tucker or Fox more? Why would you leak to them? Does that make any sense? I'm not being naive. I'm, not, I'm just trying to think through this rationally. Oh, well, they leaked to Media Matters because they'd hurt Tucker. Yeah, but they turn on Fox later on. You can't trust them. You can't trust them. You don't want to rob a bank with a guy you can't trust to follow through is going to rat you out later, right? Let's go through the videos. Because these videos are not doing what whoever's leaking them thinks they're doing. They're not hurting this guy at all. Here's the first one. Jim, we edited this, right? <laughs> Just to be sure. Okay. Here's the first one where he um, he's talking about media matters, this left-wing group that watches Fox all the time. It's all they do is they obsess over Fox and report about it. It's pathetic. They don't even uh, – there's a woman over there. Uh, 
uh, Catherine or something like that, Cat something. That's all she does. She brags about it. I watched Tucker Carlson all night. Like, my gosh, get a life. Can you imagine watching Rachel Maddow? Well, I'm the official Rachel Maddow. With Folks, I'm sorry. I'd have to start ordering online. Does cyanide do the job fast if I was assigned to watch Rachel Maddow all night? I mean, really? That's your gig? You have nothing else going on? <laughs> Jim's laughing. Here's the first video that leaked, and it's Tucker... Was this the talking about media matters and stuff? This, if this is damaging, you know, then I'm a monkey's uncle, man, because this is just stupid. Yeah, check this out. You wouldn't? Okay. I'm not, you know what? I'm not qualified on that score, I will say. I thought his girlfriend was kind of yummy. Just kidding. Just kidding. In case this is being pulled off the bird. Yeah, the bird. Hey, media matters for America. Go f yourself. That's the first thing I want to say tonight. Second thing is, totally kidding, I don't even know what his girlfriend looks like. And if I did, I would not find her yummy. That's, I mean, that, that, guys, listen. Yeah, Jim said it right. He's like, okay, he's just, it's kind of being funny. Like, what's... Keep in mind, folks, that is a take, an outtake from between the content of the show. I don't want to go over the whole thing yesterday because I did it on the podcast and the radio show. But the bottom line is when you're taping something, or even when you're live, there are commercial breaks. When you're taping them, there are no commercial breaks, but there are breaks between guests. There is a significant amount of time. In, a, in an hour show, there's about 15 minutes in a live show, which he did every night, where you are not on the air, but people are still talking to you and you're talking back. The microphone is still hot. Now, it's not being broadcast out over the Fox News channel. There's a commercial on. Excuse me. But the microphone is hot and being recorded. What I'm trying to tell you is you, there's a lot of stuff there. I mean, I can make the case to you that Jim and Mike and I probably have, I don't know, 10,000 hours of stuff recorded that's not on the air. I mean, we talk all the time. This is the best you could do. This is why I'm telling you this is not a professional hit job. Reminiscent of a billion-dollar company that if they wanted to take somebody out, they would. It doesn't make any sense. This is the tape you release? This is your warning shot? Uh, Tucker Carlson said a guy's girlfriend was yummy and then said he was kidding and told Media Matters to go mm, themselves. That, that's your hit job? I mean, this is not how you take hostages, folks. You don't call up the guy and go, I've got your daughter. If you don't give me $10 million tomorrow, we're going to take her out for fancy wine and a nice steak. And take her to a movie. You don't do that. It's not the way you take hostages. It's not a hostage taking class. Public service announcement. Don't take hostages. It's a bad idea. But that's not how you do it. Come get your daughter tomorrow. Or you're going to find her back at your house with a box of Gucci materials I just bought. What? what? what is he? Who's this, her boyfriend? I'm a hostage taker. Get her now, you son of a bee. I'm going to stop in Louis Vuitton, too, and get her new shoes. That's not how this works. You don't say, hey, you better shut your mouth about our company. We're going to release videos that are going to make you look like a really funny guy who hates lefties at Media Matters. What the? What the? Hold it. What kind of operation is this? This isn't Liam Neeson. 
in that movie, like, was it taken? I've got a special set of skills. If you don't get back my daughter, I'm going to come kill you and all your friends and your dog and your cousin and your neighbors. This isn't, that's not what's happening. This isn't Mel Gibson and Ransom. Give me back my son. What is going on here? These are, these are the hit piece videos. Here's Tucker, man, being hilarious. Here's Tucker reminiscing uh, about the good old days, the halcyon days before violence encompassed our politics. Here's Tucker making a, a joke and then taking it back about some guy's girlfriend or something. This is the best you've got? Now do you see why I'm skeptical? Guys, all I did, and ladies, all I did for a living was I was a criminal investigator before. I've got a decent body of work experience, but it's largely limited to business and law enforcement. I'm not a doctor. I wasn't a lawyer. But when you're an investigator and you go into court, you've got to be very careful how you answer a question on the stand. Extremely careful. Because there's this little thing. It's called perjury. Like you could go to jail if you say something wrong and it's proven you deliberately lied. So you learn while testifying in court to be very deliberate, reasoned, and slow with your answer, especially if you have to think about it. There is no rush in court. Someone says to you, Mr. Bongino, what were your first words to my client? Hear the pause? It's uncomfortable, right? Even on the radio. Jim's like, you're going to talk or we're going to have to go to a best of? <laughs> no, I'm going to, there's only like seven seconds of silence before a best of kicks in. But it's uncomfortable, right? Listen, I do again. Yeah. Mr. Bongino, what were the first words you said to my client? Thinking about it now, the first words I said were, you have the right to remain silent. You see how there's that DC buzz term, that gravitas to it? You don't have to speak right away. I don't get this. This seems like a rookie job. It doesn't seem like a professional hit. Here's another one. And this is why, again, this is so Bush League that I don't believe, I'm not sure, I shouldn't say it, I'm not sure this came from inside, well, it did come from inside Fox, that's where the videos are recorded, but inside Fox has like a Fox hit job here, because it doesn't make sense. Here's Tucker saying, F it, we'll do it live, and it. if you're an untrained observer of what's going on, this sounds like Tucker's like complaining about something. Like, oh, the segment isn't going well. We're going to do it live. Now, if you're a rookie, that's going to be what you think. But if you actually worked in Fox and work in media, you'll know this was a joke. I'll explain in a second. First play to Tucker Lee. Check this out. <laughs> it, we'll do it live. Okay, so, wow, my gosh, he cursed. He said the F word and said, we'll do it live. Ladies and gentlemen, I say the F word a lot. I know I shouldn't. I'm trying um, been trying for 48 years. You grow up in New York. People use that word. It's not, I don't even, I'm not sure it's a curse word in New York. I know if you're not from New York, you probably don't understand that. But you got to understand, people in New York say that all the time. It's just not like a curse word. You'd be like, what'd you have? Uh, my effing lunch. It's just like, and everybody's like, just accepts it. I didn't realize it was a bad word really until I moved to Maryland and I was talking to my neighbor, Diane, when I just moved in, who was a nice 50 uh, year old lady. And uh, I said, yeah, man, that effing commute. And she was like, what? What? She almost died. And I was like, oh, my gosh, was I not supposed to say that? So he said the F word and said, we'll do it live. And this was leaked. Like, oh, my gosh. He said, we'll do it. What is it? Oh, man, look at this terrible guy. Laugh. What is he laughing at his staff? Well, again, 
piece of evidence number 22.6, exhibit 22.65 sub A, that I don't think this was some professional hit job. If you know the media, you know that's a joke. Where does the joke come from? I've used that joke, but we'll do a live joke many times. Comes from Bill O'Reilly on Inside Edition, who was having a problem with a teleprompter or some copy in the teleprompter, whatever it was, and just started yelling, we'll do it live. You, want, you don't believe me? Here, listen to yourself. Check this we'll out. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. F*** it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Okay. Now do you see why I suspect that the person who leaked this is not some professional PR hit person? Because if you are a professional PR hit person in the media space, you know that's a joke. It's been a joke in media. For, Jim, is it not a joke in media for years? And we'll do it live. Well-known joke in the media. Everybody's been caught on camera. Me trying to attack Rivernats. I got that SOB. That, if that's a joke in media and it becomes a meme, I would love to be the greatest thing ever. But it's just not that funny. We'll do it live. It's funny. We like Bill. We've had Bill on the show. He's welcome on anytime. We'll do it live. It's just funny. People do it all the time. It's a joke. When you're reading something in the prompter and it goes bad, I've done it. I'll be like, ah, we'll do it live. F it, we'll do it live. It's a joke. You're telling me this is some kind of professional hit job? Oh, my gosh, we got him on tape screaming, we'll do it live. It's a joke, you idiots. Media Matters is like, we got him now. Laughing. <laughs> you don't know why. There's more here. There was another leak. You know what? I, I, I'll get to that one. Uh, I'll get to the next one after the break. But it's it's Tucker Carlson having a conversation with Piers Morgan after an interview they did. And again, it's just banter back and forth. They're being silly. It's not on the air. If you're going to go for the king, man, you better damn well take him out. Not with garbage like this. This is not even... This isn't even like a level one scandal on a one to a hundred scale. Finally, we talked with Kaylee McEnany about our new book, Serenity in the Storm. We talked a lot about our current culture wars. You're going to like this. I, I do want to welcome back to the show, though, one of my favorite guests, just a wonderful human being, a terrific advocate for conservatism and the author of an amazing book. I'm so proud to be a part of uh, the book is called Serenity in the Storm. It is by Kaylee McEnany. Kaylee, welcome back to the show. So great to have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Dan. You're one of my favorites and one of the greats in the movement. So it's always an honor. Well, you know the feelings mutual. The book is incredible. Selling like hotcakes, serenity in the storm. And, you know, one of the pieces of the book that when I first got my hands on it, I enjoyed is you take head on uh, the insanity of this new sexual identity politics, critical race theory, which is racist by nature, treating people differently based on race is racist. That's just the tautological definition. And you kind of hammer that in the book. And I, I thought of that before uh, this segment, because in the last segment before you came on, Kaylee, we were discussing the story in the Washington Times about how colleges are moving towards, again, segregated graduation ceremonies. Now, Kaylee, I don't know about you, but segregation's a pretty bad idea. We all, I'm, I can re I'm reasonably confident knowing you like I know you. Like, wait, no, nah, that doesn't sound good. Uh, we shouldn't be doing that. But we're going back to this craziness again because as your book hits, we're not anchored in any sense of morality anymore. These liberals are just dissolving any attachment to God or anything like that. 
Yeah, well said. I mean, I write in the book about education um, and it's two prong and you just nailed it. I mean, there's critical race theory and then there's critical gender theory. Um, and on the under the prong of critical race theory is this belief that you are evil by nature because of the way you are born um, and your skin color, um, that the white person's the oppressor and the black person is the oppressed. And, and it's this um, continuum from the moment of birth. So kids are being taught this. Um, and it's wrong, of course, and, and we disagree with it. But then you go to the segregation element, which I also write about because there's an Atlanta school where a mom named Kyla Posey said that they were actually segregating kids, not at graduation, but in the classroom by race. And when she raised a complaint about it, they said, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. And they fixed the problem. Um, but, but how wrong? You know, Brown v. Board of Education, separate but equal is inherently unequal. What are we doing as a country? And on the gender issue, I mean, you know, people say it's about LGBTQ. No, this is about parents' rights. Being involved, if a child wants to transition their gender and professes this to a teacher, there are statewide policies that keep you from sharing that with the parent in some of these blue states. And how scary is this? This is about parents' rights. And we're talking to Kaylee McEnany, author of the new book, Serenity in the Storm. Please pick it up today wherever you get your books. Uh, it's an amazing book. One of the things I really enjoyed about the book, Kaylee, and why I'd love to be a part of it, is one of the complaints I get fairly enough about my show from our great listeners. It's their show. It's not mine. So I listen to what they say. They say, Dan, you know, sometimes you'll do a show that's really hard hitting and you won't give us the solutions or fixes or band-aids or whatever you'd like to call them. It's, you know, Biden did that. And I always take that to heart because they're right. Sometimes I get so mad at some of the stupid stuff that I don't give people a note of optimism. That's not your book. I mean, your book is called Serenity in the Storm for a reason. You talk about whether it's a church in Afghanistan or some legal rulings we've had go in our favor, how it's not all bad. Like there's a reason to smile about this transformation coming a little bit more on that. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and you take me back to um, the idea when we look at the senseless school violence that has happened, and um, it, it has corresponded with the removal of prayer in schools. In fact, uh, the woman who could be credited with removing prayer and God from schools, Madeline Murray O'Hare, she founded atheist organization, famous, a very nasty individual. Um, her son ended up um, totally disowning his mother's atheism um, in this this case that took prayer out of schools and he ended up becoming a minister and he made the point that in 1963 you know at the point at which god was still in schools in baltimore there was not a, a single death at a baltimore school and he goes through all the ills that came when we started removing god entirely from school but the optimism point here is this you know i was sitting in the rose garden when amy coney barrett is nominated to the Supreme Court. All of a sudden, we're winning on these issues. You can now kneel in silent prayer at the 50-yard line. Coach Kennedy can. Um, if you have a school voucher in Maine, you can go to a, a, you don't have to go to a secular public school. You can use it to go to a school of faith. So we are winning on a lot of these issues. It doesn't feel that way right now, but at least on the Supreme Court, they're making a huge difference in the country. In Afghanistan, you know, your point, the underground church is on fire um, because where oppression reigns, I can tell you this, people are receptive to faith. They recognize the difference between light and darkness, which is why Christianity is on fire in China and Iran and in Syria, places you wouldn't necessarily think. Yeah, it is on fire. We're talking to Kaylee McEnany, author of the new book, Serenity in the Storm. Uh, Kaylee, a couple of thoughts. First, you're right about the Supreme Court. We've had a number of substantial wins on faith, on firearms, 
on uh, Chevron deference, which is a big deal. I mean, the regulatory bureaucratic state, these are big issues. They may yeah. not sound like it, but they are. I mean, we effectively have the bureaucracy running the country right now. I- I'm going to ask you a question. I kind of already know the answer to it, but I just want your thoughts. You think that's behind the recent uh, attacks, air quotes, on Clarence Thomas with these nothing burgers? He took a vacation with a rich guy. Oh, my gosh. Everybody in Congress, <laughs> basically any human being with any connection ever would be out of a job if that were a crime. That's what they're trying to do, discredit the Supreme Court because they can't use it anymore. One thousand percent. I mean, that's what the media does. They pick someone who's a successful conservative. I mean, I'm sure I know you've had this in media. I certainly had it as press secretary. If you are succeeding in making a difference with your voice, they will call you every name under the book. They will make up things against you. Um, they will investigate Clarence Thomas. But of course, they won't look at Sotomayor or Kagan or, you know, Katanji Brown Jackson right. or anyone else. They're only going to look at Thomas and Alito and Roberts and the, and the like. Um, when meanwhile, they should be focusing on where the smoking gun is. And of course, I'm talking about Hunter Biden and the Biden family, but no journalism there. Instead, the New York Post, who has done the only journalism there, really, uh, they are left out of a White House event. That's how it works. You don't subscribe to the mob mentality. Uh, you're out. Kaylee, you know, I know in your book you you cover extensively your your love for Jesus Christ. And I want to echo that uh, myself as my Lord and Savior. I say it proudly on my show and I pray every night, despite me being a, a sinner and a grotesquely fallible human being. I no, pray every not. night that <laughs> I am. I got a lot of problems, man. I do. I, I'm just, I got a bad temper. I, you know, I, I wish I could clean up my act sometimes and I try, but I pray every night, Jesus, make me a better man tomorrow than I was today. And please help me use all the tools you've given me to evangelize your cause. I, I do it with, with I, proudly. I have no, no, I don't, I don't care. I, this is what I was here to do. I, this is what I'm here to do. And I know you're proud of that too, but I, I think, you mentioned something about the underground church in Afghanistan and in China and, and everywhere else. But in South America, the, the, the Christianity is exploding in South America, too. And I bring that up because the immigration crisis we're undergoing is a real crisis. Make no mistake. If you're going to come to this country, come to the country legally, period. There are a number of issues involved in that. We can talk about that another day. But I think the Democrats are biting off a little more they can chew here. Because as you've seen with Florida, the transformation uh, into a blood red state, the Hispanic community in the United States, although you need to come here legally, period, obviously, you know, these are people moving over to our side of the aisle, the, the movement based in faith and liberty and constitutional rights. The Democrats have absolutely zero momentum, inclu- I'd say almost negative momentum with Hispanic voters. Who, Demo- who Democrats had assumed for years were going to be a Borg-like voting block for them. And it's just not happening. These are faith-based people who are like, wait, my kid's nine. You want to cut their genitals off and tell them they should hate white people? Like, I'm sorry, we're not going to go there. This is really not working out for them like they planned. I could not agree with you more on that. First, I want to say you're an amazing human being. I'll never forget oh, when I had left the White House and I had a question about podcasting and I know how busy you are. I get tons of texts myself, but I sent you a text within minutes. You responded <laughs> and I was on the phone with oh, you like within sweet. an hour. Um, so I, I mean that. You but matter second, to me. So I wasn't going to let you down. You're my friend oh, and I don't abandon my friends. So, but that's very nice of you to say. 
Thank you, Dan. But you're, you're so right. You know, I've always, and I, I've known this growing up, you know, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. Many of my friends were Latino. There's such an organic fit between the beliefs of and tradition and patriotism and faith in the Latino community and the Republican Party. And I was always hopeful and kind of waiting for that day where we'd see this realignment. And you're seeing it. You know, I'm so proud that we're the party, and it was really President Trump to credit for this, that is growing among Latino men specifically, but the community more broadly. We're picking up voters because they recognize and reject abortion at birth where you slaughter a full, fully formed baby um you know not taking care of babies outside of the womb you know, democrats won't vote on the you know born alive protection act these are babies outside of the womb um you know that religious freedom like you said castrating children like these are things i can't even believe i'm saying out loud right. um, but finally, I... uh, you know people are coming to our party in droves because they reject this kind of thinking yeah, I always use my alien theory that if some alien, intelligent, sentient species were to come to Earth and just sit down with no knowledge of Earth, they'd be like, this is crazy. You're, 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 you're killing your next generation of your species while simultaneously castrating the younglings? Like, they'd go, what are you people, idiots? Like, it's just crazy. <laughs> One last where- question. I'll, I'll, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, this is where Republicans need to be smart. Polling was out yesterday showing about 60 to 70 percent agreement with us on these issues. Um, so we've got to we've got to use that um, and get get back to common sense. And that means giving a choice to the American people. Yeah, that's right. Last question. You've been very generous with your time. We appreciate it. We watch you here in the studio. So I know uh, you just got off the air a little bit ago. Your predecessor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, another great conservative Uh, I saw today on social media, she said when she was in your position as press secretary that she could, quote, feel the visceral anger at these people who are supposed to be there not to be angry at you, but to ask you questions about the administration, which you as the face of it are answering. But she said that's not what's happening there, that they're obviously activists who just before you even open your mouth, they hate the answer you're going to give because they're just not ideologically aligned with you at all. When you were up there, did you feel that, like the seething, like the almost the foaming at the mouth, regardless of the answer you gave? Oh, without a doubt, particularly the Playboy reporter who would stand in the back of the room and literally shout at people. Brian yes, Carum. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh, he couldn't stand you. Oh, that was, we swear. used to use his cuts on the show because he was so angry. Oh, my gosh, like head spinning anger. And like, where was the White House press corps binding together and coming to my defense as they did for Jen Psaki when I think it was Simon Atiba who shouted one question like, where was the White House Correspondents Association when I was being yelled at? It didn't seem to matter because they, they must have been in agreement with them. Yeah, they were. They clearly were. Kaylee, the book is amazing, folks. Please pick it up today. It's called Serenity in the Storm. It's really the book you need right now, especially around Mother's Day. It strikes an incredibly optimistic tone. I always say I'm long in the United States, and I'm long in the United States because of great patriots of this show and great patriots like Kaylee McEnany. The book is very optimistic. Read it. You'll put a smile on it. It's really wonderful. Kaylee, thanks a lot for your time. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it. You got it. Folks, the book is great. Serenity in the Storm. Please pick it up. It's uh, The minute I read it, I said we need... I was actually inspired to be part of it on the publication front because of feedback from you in the audience. That's not spin. That's not some, uh, you know, talking point I threw in there. I um, One of the criticisms of the show, which is valid, is sometimes I don't mention some fixes or some band-aids or some, I hate the word solutions because you never solve human problems. You just engage in trade-offs. But that's a fair criticism. And I take it to heart. And after I finished Kaylee's book, I said, 
this is this is definitely worth getting out there. Talks about a lot of the victories and how the country's moving back in a different direction. She's long in the United States, too, and she's very smart. So we can't both be wrong. Bongino and McEnany. It's got to be something there. Thanks for listening to the show, folks. Again, if you want to check out the radio show, go to Bongino.com, click on Station Finder, and see where we're on near you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You just heard Dan Bongino.